Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This edition comes to you thanks to our sponsor, the Media Masters Podcast, which this week features an interview with Times columnist and Tory peer, Daniel Finkelstein. To listen to that, just visit mediamasters.fm. Welcome to the Media Podcast. I'm Ollie Mann. Uh, This week we've something a little different for you. Uh, To coincide with the Radio Festival, the British Library gathered a panel of radio experts to discuss the future of the airwaves. We'll hear journalist Ruth Barnes speaking to friends of the media podcast, Matt Deegan and Miranda Sawyer, plus Femi Edmund Adeyemi, the founder of Hackney radio station NTS, and Helen Bowden, who at the time of this recording last week was the Beeb's director of radio. Uh, That was the pinnacle of a BBC career spanning 34 years, which came to an end on Friday when she announced her resignation. We'll have more on the news of her replacement and all of the gossip from the media industries, as usual, in the next edition of the Media Podcast. For now, though, here's Ruth Barnes. Welcome to this special Future of Radio podcast. I'm Ruth Barnes, broadcaster and massive radio nerd. And this discussion will be among the very first audio items to be catalogued in a brand new National Radio Archive. The British Library from next year will hit record across a number of radio and audio streams to pilot what should become an important and vital research tool for future generations. So, to the future of radio, a massive topic which we're going to get stuck into here with the help of our panel of industry experts. Matt Deegan, the creative director at Folder Media and runs the Next Radio Conference. Welcome to the table. Hello, good to be here. Uh, We have Helen Bowden, the director of BBC Radio. Hello. Hello there. We have Femi Adeyemi, the founder of global online radio station (laughs) NTS. Welcome. Thanks, Thanks for having me. And Miranda Sawyer, observer journalist and rabid consumer of all things radio and audio. Indeed I am. Um, There is no doubt that this is the most exciting time to be working in radio, as we all do, but also to be listening to radio. There's tons of content out there. There There really is something for everyone. Potentially, we're getting into a a time where there's maybe too much content. People are overwhelmed with what there is out there to listen to. My first question for all of you really is, is what is radio to you, I guess, and and in your position in the industry? What is radio? And I'm going to start with you, Matt. Um, Well, I'm going to steal somebody else's line because like uh, I think one of the things radio is good at uh, is combining other people's content. So I'll I'll nick a line from a guy called James Cridland. And he says radio is a shared experience with a human connection. And what he was getting at was um, 
Uh, yeah, we can all consume audio and that might be a great album or that might be a streaming service. Uh, but I think radio is something that you can share or you can talk about. Uh, and normally there's a person involved and that might be a person who's picked all the songs or a person who um, does an interview or, or talks to someone. And I think that's what makes it different from it just being a, an algorithmic playlist. Nothing wrong with an algorithmic playlist. I love an algorithmic playlist. But at the same time, um, I think radio is something a bit more. And they can those places are keen to take the radio word. Um, but I think maybe we should push back on that sometimes. And what about you, Helen? Well, I hugely agree with what you're saying. Clever boy, that Mr. Cridland. Um, I think it's a relationship. And I think that's what makes it different from stream music. You're sometimes in the music mood for streamed music, uh, particularly if you choose it yourself. But actually, there's a very deep, enduring human need for connection with other humans. And that's what radio gives you. Does it matter that most of us have stopped listening to radio on actual physical radio sets? There's a huge audience that don't listen traditionally anymore. And Femi, NTS have tapped into that audience. Yeah, I mean, we we um, we read so so many studies of like a lot of young kids not really listening to the sort of traditional sort of FM format. Um, I personally believe that FM format is still going to be here for a long 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 time um it's 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 the format i grew up in um especially in this country with our, such a rich pirate radio history um but yeah there's definitely a massive sort of shift to the online radio platforms and stuff like that i think i'm just going to pick you up ruth go oh, on helen so many people most of us not listening on radios we don't actually know that i mean the point is in huge numbers of households people have got four five six old-fashioned radios the the interesting thing is that what characterizes all of radio listening is the convenience of the platform and one of the problems for the young, if they want to listen live, is how bloody expensive it is. Yeah. You know, on your mobile, it's really expensive. Bill shock is a problem. Can I just sort of jump in on, on consumption as well? Um, because also, you know, we're on a format here. You know, you've cho- the people who are listening to this, you've chosen to consume it and put it in your ears, uh, which makes you a sort of slightly different self-selecting group. I mean, what we've got to remember is uh, in broadcast radio... Uh, 90% of the country listen to some form of radio each week Uh, 83% listen to some form of analogue radio, AM and FM nearly 50% of the country listen to some form of DAB, some broadcast radio 16% listen to their radio through the telly uh, and 21% of the the country listen to some form of of internet radio this is live stream radio Uh, and this is through a survey called Radio that measures all radio stations whether they've paid to be be in it or not but um, reach is one thing, so that's someone who has just listen to five minutes within a week but the thing that we've all got to look at is is time spent listening Uh, how much time do people give to the different devices Uh, and so for the internet that's just eight percent of 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 the time and even when you look at young audiences so sort of 15 to 24s you know the volume consumed DAB radio which is a broadcast platform uh, does better than internet consumption Uh, and you sort of go oh that's a surprise and it's like well it's not really a surprise it's a device that's in half of people's homes um, and uh, it's something that provides a big bulk of hours so I think it's it's easy like all technology to maybe uh, overestimate the short-term impact and then maybe underestimate the long-term impact of these things. Well, I think one of radio's successes is it's got the, the most brilliant user interface. You know, literally, you turn it on and stuff comes out. Uh, and, we're, and we're very lucky to have had that, that box historically. And I think as we go forward onto internet platforms or mobile, actually that starts to get a bit more complex. I mean, music is probably alongside sort of like, I don't know, porn and something. It's probably the most 
search thing for on the internet. Um, so how do you stand out as a sort of radio platform? You have YouTube, you have Spotify, you have Beats and stuff. How do you keep, how do you compete with those guys? And the competition is harder on the internet. But then what we do have as a benefit under it's, of being an online streaming platform is the sort of global reach that we have. Femi, I was going to ask you at this point, can you just give us a, a kind of a, a nutshell of what NTS is? Because I, I listen to it. I love it as an online place to consume new music. How, how Can you con- contextualise it for us? Tell us what it is. The, the approach to NTS was basically, OK, there's sort of the sort of traditional format to radio. Um, but we came during the time when the DJ became sort of the celebrity. You know, no one wanted to be a musician anymore. The DJ was sort of like God. Um, everyone wanted to be a DJ. There's so many DJs in London that just wanted a platform to get themselves out there. They couldn't get in a traditional sort of FM or AM, AM format. Um, the process to get in the BBC is what you might not, it's not even worth trying sometimes or trying to get on RINs or any of the other sort of established radio stations. Um, and, and you know, this, this the, 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 the plan behind NTS was just to give these kids or just people just an opportunity to put their stuff out. Um, our target demographic is well. Our demographic actually is between the ages of I say between the age of twenty to sort of thirty-five. That's that is our core demographic, and you know, you know, we you know we catered sort of like music from from the nineteen thirties to sort of like trap music to this day, and you know, we 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 have we're able to be that flexible because we don't really have the restrictions that you'd have with a traditional radio format. You know, we don't you know we're not sort of monitored by Ofcom. We do still have to pay the licensing fees, but we don't have the sort of like you know, we don't have the sort of strict rules and regulations, and which sort of gives us a lot more freedom and a lot, and allows us to be a lot more risky with what we do, which is kind of what has kind of led to our success, I think. Helen, is there's lots of nodding coming from you here, and and as someone who oversees all of BBC Radio, which is it, it's an incredible time for BBC Radio at the moment, I guess, because you're doing some extraordinary things at the youth end that you wouldn't probably do at the other end, which I guess is Radio Four. Or am well, I wrong? You're wrong a bit mm. because wait, I mean Radio. No, none of our Radio 1 Extra listeners would ever think we were just an audio service. I mean, they may listen to a lot of audio, but they expect film, they expect the live lounge to be streamed, they expect stills, they expect social media. But actually, and that's been going on in Radio 1 for five, six, seven years, depending on how much money we've got, frankly, for that kind of extra. But increasingly, other audiences want selective kind of added extra so if you're a radio 2 audience you want red button you want very classy filming of that elton john concert uh you don't want the slightly less finished product that a lot of other younger people really don't mind radio 3 um even that audience and i say even because it tends to be quite conservative in some aspects but some of the things they do they really want filmed and radio 4 has done a lot of very very clever online um cartoons pre pre programs a lot of this is slightly testing out what's worth pursuing and what isn't because for most of our audiences and i do think one and one extra are slightly different it's the radio relationship that really matters the rest is different in terms of what you were saying about ofcom and how you can be that much riskier i mean one extra does okay but we do have very clear rules and we get pulled up with them all the time and that is one of the benefits of your kind of operation and must be attractive to lots of listeners yeah i mean it's 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 again it's that like i said it's it's that freedom that we have that um not necessarily from what can be said just you know the sort of music that can be played you know it's you know we don't we don't do playlists at all you know um um it's literally just someone coming on who's passionate about whatever music they're into, whatever it is they, you know, want to talk about and they just have the freedom to, you know, say whatever. I'd really like to sort of, because I started in commercial radio, kind of 
also big up commercial radio in this country at the moment because at the moment the radars are showing that in terms of share you know the, the kind of proportions of people listening we're about 50 50 commercial and the bbc after many years of the bbc being in the ascendant and that is because i think commercial radio have really got their act together on their branding they've launched a lot of new services on the new dab muxes as they're called and they're doing them incredibly well so both Bauer, which is one of the big commercial radio companies, and Global, are their audiences are strengthening almost on a daily basis. And I think a, a lot of that's down to distribution. Uh, and you know, historically, there's been quite a big barrier to entry to get on the radio. So it's interesting you're talking to, to Femi about creating an internet station that can that can find an audience doing something different. Or well, you know pre-1995 you know if you didn't have an fm license and there weren't many of them you couldn't have a radio station you couldn't do anything for commercial radio um, other than one fm network and two am networks so classic fm on fm and talk radio and talk sport and then virgin radio um you, you just couldn't get on the dial and what digital and, and broadcast digital radio be that through the telly or through a dab radio it's meant that a lot more people can launch more stations and so the big groups who are always encumbered from doing that um, can take a, a popular popular station like KISS which has only ever historically been in London and can take that to audiences in Cumbria and Scotland and uh, and South Wales as well um, and I think from from a, when we look at other radio stations in other markets in other countries um, what we see is that radio in the UK is held up very very strongly because actually there's more choice for listeners. Um, Femi, I wanted to pick up on something that you said about uh, the, the way you program things on NTS. You still have live shows, so it's not just all about people listening again to mixes. No, you, no. You, you still engage with, with live radio. Yeah, there, I mean, that it still has a place. It still has a place. I mean, we, we, we try to use technology as much as possible when we have chat live chat rooms. On top of that, was, we also do video. We stream some of our shows. I, I'm, I feel passionate about the, sort of the radio should be radio in the sense that people shouldn't have to necessarily see radio. For me, what radio is really about is being able to use my imagination and listen to what was being said. Uh, we're talking about the, the way radio is changing and the way people are consuming radio is changing, the way audiences are changing. Uh, Miranda, who is a massive podcast consumer, I feel like this is where you need to come in and just and, and really talk to us about podcasting because podcasts have changed the audio landscape. It, they've been going for a long time. There are podcasts been around for ages, but really in the last couple of years, there's been an explosion and, and it's starting to have an impact on the way we consume and the way we listen. Yeah, it's interesting to me, podcasts, because I think actually um, there's a kind of type of person that likes podcasts and they actually remind me, the younger person, of people who used to like indie bands and indie brands. So uh, you might have uh, kind of um, fans of American podcasts um, and a particular style of podcast and they will go to live versions of those podcasts whether that's the moth although that's slightly older or kind of uh, a, a drama style podcast or a comedy podcast and they will dress up in a certain way they will bring knitted toys they really remind me of indie bands and there's something about that that I find quite interesting because I've think that amongst older people and I count myself as an older person that podcasts have slightly replaced listening to music so that if you have on your phone it's a lot to do with accessibility so you know most a lot of people have got iPhones or or you know the, the equivalent and there's a place where you can just hit and you get a podcast and because weirdly if you have an iPhone 
the music section is really hard. It, it, it just doesn't work very well. <laughs> and the podcast section works really well. So if you're kind of driving or you want to go for a run or you're on the tube, actually older people who get irritated with the way that iTunes works or Spotify even may well just go to podcasts. And I find that, there's, that, that those kind of podcasts are slightly different from the ones I was talking about, indie bands, which tend to be comedy or drama or something slightly offbeat. Those podcasts are consumed actually by people who might have been a Radio 4 listener, but actually equally might be a Radio 6 music listener. That's that kind of person. Don't forget the 6 music listener is almost always it's a, radio a Radio 4, 4 listener, listener because it's a subset of Radio 4, yeah. just like the Radio 3 consumer is. So there's that yearning, that curiosity amongst about... 10 to 12 million people probably for a lot of interesting audio experiences I love your analogy with the indie band I think that's absolutely right but I certainly know my own and I'm certainly the oldest person around this table my own consumption um, the podcasts I, I, I go through phases of being completely obsessed with them and then suddenly they all sound the same particularly the American, American ones, ones. <laughs> that sort of intimate tone and that sort of offbeat humour which suddenly grates <laughs> and you go back to Melvin Bragg with relief you know it's that kind of thing so it's but it's great because actually I'm probably probably listening to as much if not more as I've ever done I, th- I think one of the, the, the big changes for, for podcasts has been uh, consumption of speech radio by people who traditionally wouldn't have listened to it or have just done it a little bit earlier. So I think absolutely getting older, people have always started to consume more speech. So I think that's probably gone earlier in other 10 years yeah. and broadened out maybe to people who have never really been exposed to, to Radio 4 Um and uh, I can suddenly find something that, that touches them and talks to them. And that kind of intimacy you get with podcasts, because obviously with radio generally, I mean, the, you know, I realise it's a bit of a cliche, but the idea is that you walk into the kitchen, you press a button, you listen to the radio. And um, that's not the same with podcasts. You kind of choose to listen. And so because of that, you tend to you tend to listen to, not always, but with headphones on, there's a different style to it. And there's an intimacy. And also there's a big backlog, you know, with some of the most popular podcasts. So you know, you feel like you know the person who's presenting it or where they've been going or... You feel uh, very close to the presenters. And I know that you can do with radio, but sometimes some types of radio, um, news radio, I think more than anything, you feel like you're broadcast at rather than invited in. And it's a slightly different way of listening. It's it's back to that thing of it's a relationship and podcasts do give it to you. The thing about them banking up, though, you end up feeling slightly panicked. It's like a tsunami of podcasts. (laughs) That's just knowledge generally. I just, you know, delete, delete, delete. And I bet others do that too. Do you think, Helen, that um, in the future we might see a BBC commissioner of podcasts completely possible completely possible um although in general we're going to fewer people not more people but probably different roles um and you know it's interesting how uh, over time we've become more confident about this five live is particularly good at this the little extras that actually make the podcast feel different i mean the bit of to talk about melvin you know where they chat at the end of the program which we know our consumers absolutely love they love that sense of the intimate listening in and there's lots of small things you can do like that Okay, wonderful. Um, Femi, I wanted to ask you about audiences, about who specifically is listening to NTS and how are they listening? And Matt, I'll bring you in here as well, because I know that you've written quite a lot about people listening on mobile Mm. and how radio, there's a bit of a mixed relationship there. It's not quite working. But Femi, let's start with you. Like I said earlier, our demographic's quite young, between the age of 20 to 35 to 40, you know. that's quite, Most, a big, that's quite a big chunk it's quite of people. A huge, well, that's because yeah. we cover such a wide range of stuff. You know, like I'm 35 myself, so I like... You look about like 12. Thanks. But like, I've been, you know, when the radio station first started, a lot of the people who started were around the same age as me. You know, we've all sort of grown up together and played the same sort of music. So 
most of the listeners use um, listen on on their phones, um, and so you know everything we do is designed. Everything we do for uh, for the, for the website is designed to work well on the phones, so it's as convenient as possible. We haven't got an app yet, but it's something we're working on just to make it as convenient as possible for the listeners to use. But yeah, no, it's it's, it's so that sort of dem- young demographic. They you know they're on Instagram, they're on Snapchat. We use all the socials, Facebook. Um, they don't they actually don't use Facebook as much anymore mm-hmm. because their parents are all on Facebook, mm-hmm. so they just want to stay away from that. Most of our staff and there's 14 full time people working at NTS. You know. Sean, who's my business partner, and I are the oldest people in there. Everyone else is between the age of like twenty and twenty-six. So you know they just you know, they know what's happening, and they sort of help to sort of direct the station in the right. Um, that I think that kind of brings us neatly onto new platforms um, in a way, because I think that one thing that an NTS does brilliantly is teams up with brands. The kind of it's it's a bit of a it's it's becoming less of an evil word these days because brands are actually enabling lots of fantastic exactly. content. I mean, and I, you guys team up really well, really intelligently with brands. Well, this is like I, you know we have this conversation quite a lot because I'm from a generation where brands where I think I'm, I'm on the cusp of generation X or Y I've been reading all these things so, <laughs> but like I'm from a generation where brands were still sort of working with brands were still frowned on you know but with kids these days with the new generation of kids coming up if you're not working for brand you're not successful you know they see working they, they talk about themselves as a brand you know so it's it's um how you play that where you're not completely you know plastered by one brand you know the relationships we brand we have with brands we have. It's all very. It's normally very subtle. Um, it's we don't we don't do paid for advertising on the radio station. So it's the one way we sort of make. It's sort of, it's one form of revenue for us is to, to work on an event of a brand or do sort of a certain kind of broadcast of a brand. One thing that um, we we can't really ignore is the fact that there is a, there is a lot of content out there. I mean, NTS has a very committed audience. I mean, people love their BBC shows. Uh, people love their podcasts that they're very passionate about. Um, but discoverability is is one of these words that we first need to explain, Matt, I think, first of all. And second of all, maybe look at the ways that the BBC is starting to give people the content that they want uh, when they log in to iPlayer and these kind of things and, and delivering that content and, and, in, and engaging the audiences and getting bigger audiences then for the content as a result. So the great thing is new platforms allow infinite content um, at infinite quality, some amazing, some less amazing, uh, but trying to find that and trying to, to be connected to the things that you care about becomes much harder. And in a broadcast world where everyone consumed BBC One or Radio Two or in London, Capital FM, whatever it might be, it was very easy to tell people where things were and, and what they could consume. That gets more difficult now. And I think even for existing for existing broadcasters, I think we often forget that we were just lucky about the platforms that we were on rather than our content being super amazing and that being the reason why people tuned in. And what you see often um, in some, some research looking at, at radio stations around the world um, mobile streaming of those stations um, is a bit flat Mm -hmm. so you'd expect it to be in sort of accelerated growth because everyone's now got one and you've got your 3G and your 4G and the Wi-Fi and all all the stuff Uh, but you know what actually a mobile device is a very entertaining device that can get you a lot of other things um, whether that's YouTube or games or you know the world is is, is in that place and you know a lot of radio stations have worked excellently as background and when you see that actually for podcasts which are a little bit more foreground you know people have chosen to to consume as Miranda was saying and even with sort of interactive 
alternative radio services. So in America, there's a service called Pandora, which is a, a radio, like a radio station, and you thumb up and down the songs, and it gets better at creating something for you. And that's a bit more interactive than listening to a stream of a station that, that you're used to. It does a different job. You, you engage in a different way. So for existing broadcasters, I think they have to probably think slightly differently and not just creating one product they hope everyone gets but trying to find something that's a bit more focused at an individual i think also the bbc you know having maybe slightly panicked about podcasts <laughs> have got better so what you find you know what the bbc particularly radio 4 and the world service they're really good at documentaries and that can be like a series or just a one-off and you know, I used to find it incredibly frustrating because it would be something that was really brilliant and then they, it would disappear in 14 days, 7 days, 28 days. And what they've become better at is finding, uh, you know, just literally doing a web web page when everything is on so they've got the Seriously Strand and so that's that's where you can find interesting documentaries. Or they've now gathered all the music documentaries together, which I'm incredibly excited about because there's loads that you miss without even meaning to. And I just think actually quite often it's literally that. It's putting everything together and offering it out to people and that's not just the BBC. It's if you are part of a kind of podcast group like if you're part of Radiotopia or other groups that have sprung up that are just saying you know what podcasting is quite lonely (laughs) and there's only you and you're putting it out there maybe if we all join together then some some fans of this show will also like your show and that's that's a a way of doing because otherwise it can seem it's a big world out there and everyone's making podcasts post serial so like you have to negotiate through don't you I mean I find actually as a radio reviewer that you know, you can't help it. You have a certain taste and you want, I want to broaden my taste. So quite often I just, I will use social media just to say, what are you listening to? What is good? What have I missed? Because you can miss things so easily. And if I just go on Twitter and say, I'm bored of my taste, what shall I listen to? People will help. And that I find that really useful, actually. Well, Helen, I mean, watch, like and share, right? That's, oh, yes. That's, that's <clears throat> what it's, it's all about. But the, this is a massive challenge for a broadcaster like the BBC, both in telly and radio, that we do so much. When I was controller of Radio 4, I used to get loads of letters from people saying, you never tell us how many wonderful things and where to find them. And then they'd get the same people saying, and you do all those terrible trails, which was our effort to try and tell them. Um, but actually, technology will rescue us on this because um, we're doing a big project, which I'm the executive sponsor of, called My BBC, which is a basically a series of digital tools. So if you love our sports app, it allows you to get to an incredible granular level of detail on the things you love. And equally, it will allow you to do that in terms of radio programmes or teleprograms. But to your point about getting bored with your own taste, I'm very averse to the idea that you simply go on offering people things that they already have yeah, kind of liked. It. It's really bad. It's really unrethian, I have to say. Yeah. So one of the things about um, our personalisation is it will work quite hard to offer you things that aren't necessarily your natural taste because serendipity is an incredibly important part of the way the human being engages with the world you know we all love it when it works when it doesn't work we just think that was a bad idea and also so, you don't want to end up with that thing that's a big problem on facebook or any all social media everyone you're just listening to yourself all the time absolutely. and then everybody's surprised when you know i don't know a different person gets in an election or you can't understand why these exactly. things because nobody's talking to each other there's something interesting that Capital Extra have been doing on, on their mobile app. So obviously one of the problems for sort of, for live radio is that you can't skip things you don't like. You're sort of at the mercy of, of the station. But they've actually introduced a sort of equivalent of a skip button on their app. And if you don't like a song, you can get a, another song. And what it's meant is they've changed how they make the radio station because the presenters have started tagging songs with bespoke links um, and also being allowed to do more speech content because they get sometimes told off in commercial radio for talking too much. 
Uh, whereas this is a something that, that a, a user is is shown and then they can choose to listen to or skip. And also that information goes back to the station so that they can improve. And in the States, uh, NPR, which is um, sort of very vaguely equivalent to some of the kind of content that the BBC makes for, for radio over there. And they have a great app called NPR One. Um, and again, what that does is it learns it learns from, from how consumers use it. And the best thing I was talking to someone there said was that it's improved the cues, the words that you use to introduce a feature. Because if people are skipping halfway through the queue, it means what <laughs> wasn't a very good introduction of that piece and that's uh-huh. gone back into making their radio stations better more from the panel in just a moment but first let's hear a clip from this week's media masters with paul blanchard and this week paul is speaking to the political journalist daniel finkelstein the daily mail had a little pop at the fact that i'd done this work with david cameron on his um, on, his on, his, on his tapes yeah. um, and uh, I'm very proud of these it was my idea to do them you know, probably when everything else that I've done in journalism has gone uh, we'll still have historically hopefully for decades maybe even centuries um, this political record of, of a primus has never been done before and th- so I thought that was a very valuable thing but the Daily Mail's criticism was that I went on Newsnight and pretended to know no more than anyone else about what the Prime Minister was thinking. Well, I hope I wasn't doing that, because I wonder why Newsnight would have me on if I did that. I hope that I was pretending to know, you know, a lot about what the Prime Minister was thinking. And I think their point was to actually be critical of that. They thought that I should actually know less than I did. This seems like a very odd criticism. You can hear all of that interview by going to mediamasters.fm. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Miranda, all the tech companies seem to be getting into the radio game, Apple, Google and Amazon. I guess you can see this in one of two ways. You can see it as a, you know, it's kind of sinister because we're all signed up. They have all our information. They're going to just be feeding us what they think we want. Or is this a really exciting opportunity for original content makers? If you look at something like Beats One, I mean, you you would, I don't know what I expected from Beats One, but it wasn't actually Beats One. (laughs) And, And it's 
good <laughs> but it's not what I thought so I thought that Apple I mean Apple obviously is quite it has um, you know it's aspirational it's kind of closed you can never you know alter anything on your Apple and your uh, Apple Mac or anything like that but um, it's essentially specialist content and uh you know, they use the words curate or they use the words, um, you know, influencers, all those kind of terrible words. But essentially, there are some really good radio shows there, which I wasn't really expecting. However, having said that, I don't think it's actually immensely successful. You know, it's nobody really listens. I quite like it. There's a couple of shows that I follow, but it isn't as strong as you thought it might be with Apple. And I think that that's because, you know, it's, it happens to all massive companies. They think they can do everything. And you, we see, we've see we seen it time and time again over in history. And that's fine. I don't mind, you know, have a go. But actually, <laughs> you, you probably won't be as good as you think. And something, this is the thing I really like about human beings in general, Something else will come out that you never thought. So you think that you're going to make this amazing radio station. It'll be like, you know, you know, it's going to take over the world. And actually, you find that the, the, just a few documentaries about crime work really well. So you go along that way. And those things are the things that I love about humans because you can offer all the content you want. If nobody likes it, it has to go away. <laughs> I mean, just in reference um, to the Apple thing, when, when Beats 1 first came out, you know, I expected, I, I was a bit like you, I was like, Okay, this is this is Apple. This is going to be pretty bad, but yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's, they're, all their products are good. But I just know what they're trying to do. What they wanted to do with Beats, I just I don't know. I couldn't see how it was going to work. Um, but then I listened to it a few times, and I was like, actually, this is actually pretty good. Um, in a way, for what we do, it kind of legitimizes what we did in the yeah. sense that is this is one of the this is the biggest company in the world. It's just basically set up an online radio station at the same time. Um, and we've been we've been doing this for five years. You know, they've just taken a, basically what Apple are trying to do is just go in heavy into the music side of things. Um, I was speaking to someone the other day who is from LA, who's knows that world a lot better than I. And he's like, their next step potentially is to get into cars. And how, how are they going to get into cars? They get a car to just you know the car manufacturer to build their cars, and they just deal with the sort of electronic side of it, the tech side, of the, with the sort of audio side of things in the car, you know. So it's a sort of like they're, they're going to keep trying so many different avenues until they get it right. It's interesting as well, isn't it? Because the audience that they get, I imagine they would regard them as, I don't know what the... the um uh, kind of categories are, but it's quite high end, you know. Those are people that you, if you want to hit them with adverts, you know, that's really great and um, I think sometimes with podcasts I find it quite interesting because essentially if you get the right podcast you are hitting all the places that be the BBC Radio 4 hit but there's no adverts on the BBC and there's all these brands that are desperate to get at these people and the podcasts or or will will always offer that you know I know about Squarespace I never knew about Squarespace Squarespace dominates my life now because I've heard about it so many times on podcasts you know and those those places which are essentially you can't get out in Britain because it's dominated by the BBC no adverts you can get through through you know something like Apple or or Spotify or you know all those or the fact that Audible are going to be commissioning content SoundCloud are going to be interestingly you you see one of the key strengths of the BBC from all our audience research is our lack of adverts and particularly that Radio 4 audience who don't like them and if you hear the quality of most radio adverts it's not surprising it's not just that the reason they don't like it but you know I started in commercial local radio I've got huge fondness for it but the adverts don't seem to have changed much since then and that was a long while ago yeah I mean that I mean, that's kind of why we again we we can take that risk because we're on the internet we don't have the same costs the commercial radio station have but 
from from the from the first minute we started, we were like, no, radio, no radio advertiser. But you know, like that's where the the whole brand thing comes into place. There's 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 new ways of doing things. You know, you don't have to do the traditional format way. And when we speak to a lot of people, they're like, but how do you make any money? You don't do any, you don't do any on air ads. And I'm like, well, there's there's more subtle ways you can work with a brand without them sort of screaming at you like every 15 minutes well that's it and you know that you arguably there are brands who've done more for electronic music and dance music over the last couple of years than than other more traditional platforms i mean if you look at brands like red bull even smirnoff have got in on the game and actually are are creating really great original content around these supposedly niche scenes they're not really though are they i mean they've got huge audiences which is why they're tapping into them yeah they're tapping into it because you know they they see it as an as an opportunity like the red bull music academy is is an incredible thing it's like you can be cynical but you can some people you can be cynical about it and be like yeah they're still selling cans of red bull but they are actually giving artists an opportunity to get their work out and there's a legacy thing with them they just don't put them out they actually follow them through the whole process you know and that's you know i think a lot of brands have sort of seen that and be like okay people respond better to that you know people don't really frown on red i mean how could you frown on Red Bull? I mean, I'll be funny about it. You can't. Uh, Music Academy is an amazing an thing. And so many thing, people yeah. have been through it and it's made such a difference to yeah. a lot of people. And I think there's a difference between kind of integrations and where um, content is part of your DNA versus running campaigns. And I think if, if you look at something like Red Bull, this is a long-term sure. project. Exactly right. It is yeah. not a three-month, exactly. we're going to align ourselves with X and Y. It's interesting seeing McDonald's ran an entertainment YouTube channel, I think called Us, uh, which they've just closed. Um, and, oh. <laughs> and unsurprisingly and it's because you know creating content is not in their DNA they are excellent purveyors of fast food but trying to uh, but, but trying to inhibit, inhabit that world is very difficult who um, are the next great content providers then? well we don't know but that's, that's the interesting bit I think for, for in, in most of the metrics, people would probably say that Beats One has been unsuccessful. Um, you know, the, the, from the data that we see, it has not generated uh, a listenership that would compare to any traditional radio service in any of the markets they operate. However, that's not to say it hasn't done a good job for Apple of selling Apple Music subscriptions or to allow for PR each time they do something special. And when they do something special on the Apple Music side, be it uh, things with Drake uh, or Frank Ocean, they do it really well and interestingly and different. And that's content. Yeah, that is all content. You don't need to be a linear stream radio station. I think where they've perhaps gone slightly wrong is they've made some assumptions about what radio is. Um, Whereas... uh, people who have maybe made radio stations for, for a number of years perhaps understand listener behaviour a bit more. But that's not to say they won't be successful at content in a different way. Um, Femi, you've already mentioned the C word, which is cars. Yeah. And I want to ask Helen, actually, mm. how how important the kitchen and car is still to the BBC, to the BBC radio audience? Not just the BBC, the radio industry as a whole. 29 million cars don't have DAB radio. To your point about FM, (laughs) it really matters. Um, Lots of new cars are coming in with DAB radio. Um, It's about 30% of our listening, I think, 25 to 30% of our listening um that's the radio industry so it's massively important the thing that really interests me is the driverless car which is coming Mm. down the road sorry about the pun (laughs) but it is coming probably faster than we think and at that point i think it's a massive challenge for radio because if you can watch rather than listen if we're all with our feet up in the back of the car people like me will continue to listen because i love the audio experience and always have done over a video experience but an awful lot of particularly the young 
will just not see the point. And that has been a really important part of how people have consumed. It's it's a challenge for the BBC, for commercial radio, it's a massive challenge. And I was going to really say, what's a, what, how do you future-proof that? <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah I think it's definitely, the, the, again, the right content in the right places on, on the right platforms. Um, we run a children's radio station called Fun Kids, and... Uh, it's it's very easy to go, oh, the kids don't listen to the radio. And it's like, well, a quarter of a million of them listen to us, so th- th- they do. Uh, and they do, and anyone does, if you provide content for them. And that can be for different demographic groups. Um, we happen to concentrate on kids. Now, our audience has an expectation that if they hear an interview on air or they see a silly thing that a presenter does there is an assumption it will be on the app or on youtube and it's our job as a it's the content team's job to make sure that whatever we have we have it in as many places as possible um i think radio has been lucky to own the car for 70 years um (laughs) and uh we didn't we didn't earn that you know we were just lucky uh and hey guess what the world changes and 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 new things are going to be in those places it's also interesting i think sometimes about radio because um in the car because naturally nowadays i think if you don't like what's on the telly what do you do you know you know your kids are watching something or they're playing fifa or whatever you do something else and there's something about the democracy of making people listen to stuff in the car that i quite like as a nasty <laughs> parent but also my kids make me listen to stuff so they're obsessed with kiss this which is not my natural um habitat just because they play the same songs over and over but i don't mind it and actually i'm very happy with history because um you know we're an old rover so as soon as we have that kind of cat history out i'm really happy and so there are ways of um you know within the car i find the old-fashioned ways quite interesting because it's still imposes on kids you know what you find in the end is they put on their own headphones and yeah. ignore you but i really like making them listen to stuff well i think in car <laughs> but also in office you know the station that we can all agree on yeah um, that's quite hard isn't it it is and i think headphones and more online services has probably detracted from that a bit but when we get feedback from for fun kids from from parents some of the emails are like i hate fun kids but at least it's not listening to that same playlist or that same CD. Yeah. It, we, are, we are the least worst option for them. I'm more than happy to accept <laughs> that. Proudly so. I mean, I, I also have an issue, I think, with this idea that when driverless com- cars come in, people will default to watching something. I actually think that's Man, not true. Man, feel sick. I'm, I not, think that's not I'm not saying they'll default. I just think that assumption, we have owned the car for 70 years and it's, that yeah, will be different yeah. and I love that thing about how you get it imposed on you when we know that in both directions yeah. mm. it's been an education I think that will change I mean yeah. I think you know literally even three years ago we would have thought driverless cars was an absurdist futurist <laughs> nonsense it really isn't there are going to be fleets of lorries going down our own motorways I don't agree with soon. it I'm not having it <laughs> well you cannot have it but technology always confounds us in that I just, sense I just, equally uh, to your point about human beings confounding our expectations we may discover that actually people don't want to watch they actually yeah. do still like I think to well considering the kind of stats that come are coming out of America about people who listen to podcasts I do think we might be surprised but so much American radio isn't very good which is why they listen to podcasts we have fabulous radio in this country I mean radio 2 the biggest radio station in Europe 15 million listeners a week you know devoted an audience a C2DE audience as they say which the BBC doesn't find very hard to get to those people are not listening to podcasts they're listening to live radio most radio listening in this country is live so they're carrying on listening to radio in their cars uh, well they might I hope so <laughs> that's the idea right? I mean I think the UK US thing is interesting and I think it's the same for Europe you know strong public service broadcasters like the BBC keeps commercial radio much more honest than it does in lots of markets in America the things that have been successful 
uh, subscription radio. So if, if you basically say that commercial pop radio in America has a lot of ads and isn't very good, so 7 million people have subscribed to XM Sirius, and then Pandora, an on-demand service on mobiles, has been successful because radio has done a bad job. Whereas for here, and I think that's partly because of, of, of digital radio, um, the, the station growth has been significant. So a six music listener here in the UK is pretty well catered for a great service. In America, that never mm. happened. So mm-hmm. of course they went off to Pandora or, or Sirius XM. Or indeed six music. What other mm. big um, yes. what other big technological changes then do we see coming down the line? We didn't, you know, driverless cars seemed oh. like a joke three years ago. What, what do you think could be the thing we're saying in three years time? We were all surprised by... I think That's such a hard question. I can't so Too hard. Oh, come but you know, on, but I'll not. tell you what I find interesting because I was thinking about it as uh, you know we were coming in. If you think about pirate radio, which you know I do, <laughs> and uh, and I kind of mourn it a bit. There's an aspect to old radio that that I enjoyed, and that aspect was just twiddling a dial, and you'd come across uh, pirate radio stations, or you'd come across all sorts of things, and that is changing and has changed and has to change and uh and i wonder sometimes about those aspects you know that there's you know there's a an illegality to pirate radio that was actually really exciting and that was the point of it and the same to do with discovering that's changed and because everything is quite safe now and legitimized i wonder about the kind of slightly more offbeat things whether where that how that's going to come through how the how those things will manifest themselves really well i feel like that's where it's sort of like without trying to big ourselves up like stations like yeah. nts come into place where you know again just going back to the fact that i am here in a resonance fm t-shirt as well <laughs> <I must laughs> point out. thank you yes but like you know like we, we we again you know we 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 cater to sort of listeners all over the world we cater to listeners with so so many different tastes and you know you know we we we're we, we're we're able to sort of do the offbeat stuff as well as do the sort of commercial pop stuff as well at the same time because you know they, we just we have that freedom to be able to do that we don't ha- we don't we don't necessarily have the sort of commercial restraints that you know um, that would you know would affect a sort of big commercial broadcaster because they they know they have to play certain playlisted tracks because they know that's what people will listen to um, and that's what we've been doing for the, I mean just going back to the US as well you know it's you know we're in the process of setting up a studio in, in, in LA you know Los Angeles doesn't have a radio station like NTS you know they have K-Day they have the sort of you know that plays hip hop 24-7 they have they, they have um, KCRW which is more of a college radio what America is really strong at is college radio mm-hmm. their college radio and which is kind of what inspired the station as well at the same time because again the college radio thing doesn't really have that sort of restraint that the commercial radios have it isn't owned by Claire Channel or all these other things so they can sort of do what we want and so, you know, that's, I feel, you know, going ahead, stations like NCS or a lot more sort of online radio platforms offer that opportunity to sort of like be able to sort of have that weird and random stuff as well as sort of cater to the people who want to listen to something, you know. And there's a way, you know, both worlds meet together and they discover new things as well about you know, each other's music. I'm just amazed that no massive tech companies have come along and tried to buy you, or have they? We've had we've had a few people approach us. <laughs> uh-huh. We've had a few people approach us. Not really tech companies as such, more major labels, which Ooh, is really interesting. Okay. So, um, but not really. But you know, it's you know, we have there's a plan with NTS, so there's no there's no rush for anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're okay. very long term, aren't you? Yeah, which yeah. is why you'll survive. <laughs> I think one thing when you talk about technology. It's also making radio radio more discoverable. So voice-activated things seem very hot at the moment, be it um, Siri or the Amazon Echo or or devices like that. How do we, as as the radio industry, and be that 
old-fashioned stations or new stations like NTS, how do we put ourselves in a place where we can benefit from that? So the, in the UK, the industry, BBC and commercial radio works together on Radio Player, um, a nice app, and it uh, powers all of our pop-up players. So they're on Amazon Echo. So in their office, they have um, worked out how to phoneticize all of our station names, have recorded it all in. Um, they've done old versions of station names and things like that so that when someone goes, Alexa, play me Radio 2 on Radio Player, it will just work. And when they say, hey, play me Chris Moyles, it will know it's on Radio X and those sorts of things. I think we've got to work harder to make sure we can be discoverable because in the past, we were, again, we were lucky with where we were. Um, which is an excellent point when we, we talk about the archive, really. I mean, that's what, you know, this this idea that, that the British Library will hit record at some point next year and start to record across all these channels. What should go into the archive? What has value? Is what is popular does is that what has value is it is it niche i mean who decides it's a tough job for the british library but i'm going to just throw that out to you guys helen you go first well i mean i think the british library needs to work out what it's using the archive for before it can answer those questions and the most popular isn't necessarily um where you start although the most popular does tell you something about musical taste or taste in other ways at that particular moment um the thing i would be most worried about is that we become obsessed with niche and technological change and ignore these huge stations delivering fantastic radio, Radio 2 and commercial KISS that millions of people in this country love every single day. There's a sort of ordinary person thing that matters because in a way radio has always reflected the world that we live in at that moment. So when we had those cheesy DJs, that was what life was like for a certain point. <laughs> it's very interesting to me that I think both Radio 3 and Radio 4, which had going great guns at the moment have moved modestly and without shouting about it up market in terms of the intellectual fiber of what they do they haven't got rid of the great pleasures that's what they're doing and that's working because there's an audience that actually is intensely curious and wants more so you might want to reflect that equally if you want to understand what the real conversation is in the UK you need to go to your commercial and BBC local radio Phone-ins. And also, don't you think, it's like, are you looking to the future or are you registering something that might be dying? So, I mean, if you think about, you know, I recently wrote a, an article about late night phone-ins and I do worry a little that those things are going to die. So in which case, do you do you kind of like make sure you've got those because they might go away? Or do you look to the future and think we must have Beats 1 on there because, you know, that's around? Because it doesn't, but to me, that doesn't seem like proper radio. So it's it's a bit like whatever you're doing, you're always skewed by what is your attitude towards it. So is your attitude towards, like, this is happening now and we need to record it? Is it we're looking to the future or is it we're looking to the past? Or are we just doing, why don't you just do it across the day? Or you are you looking at things like Resonance or NTS that are actually becoming their own brands anyway? Or are there? I, 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 think I mean, all, it's very hard I to work out what you want to do. Also, there's a bit about uh, non-UK con- or consumption of non-UK stuff. So yeah. you look at the top 100 podcast chart, uh, and Mark Maron will appear in there, yep. or or um, the the podcast from the S Word. I'll try and not always give that as the example. Yep. Um, and actually, if a big number of UK listeners consume it, that I think that has value. Yep. Also, I mean, LBC. Uh, 
LBC it, going great at the moment, yeah, isn't it? LBC <laughs> London's um, premier, you know, talk commercial uh, station. Absolutely, yeah. and, and it, over the years, has kind of gone up and down in different ways. Is doing is, is doing incredibly well at the moment. I'm not a big LBC listener, but I did listen to it over the Brexit time because I was I was just interested in what they were saying and what listeners uh, and how they were responding. You know, it's a great bit of social commentary on on. on but views. that's sort of the point, isn't it? Are, does the British Library want this to tell us about who we are at this moment and who we are in a very multi-layered way not just London not just ethnicity I think so not I think just it's, gender. it's in 30 years time looking back yeah. at a moment in time from, on, from all aspects the music the social context so what are the big context? stories that we cover it's a research I don't just mean news stories I mean the emotional stories immigration is clearly one and that was the thing that was so powerful during the Brexit debate mm. but equally you know if you listen to a lot of BBC local radio and older demographic and I did a couple of summers ago um the huge amount of emphasis on cost of living. There's massive amount of stuff around being charged for your car parking in hospitals. I mean, hospitals aren't actually making a profit from this, but you would have thought they were. It really angered people. So it's there were lots of ways of understanding this country through but that's that local interesting radio because stuff. Actually, what you're saying then is, is it about the content or is it about the medium? Precisely. Because that's what we don't really know what, the, what they want to I record. I agree with that. Femi? <laughs> Have your say. <laughs> um, I mean, from again, you know, like, you know, I'm just kind of agree with what you're saying. It's like, what exactly are they trying to sort of? What do they really want from these archives? I mean, from, I mean, I guess from my perspective, um, I guess the shift from FM to sort of digital or internet um, is an interesting thing to watch. Um, you know, like watching, just you know, seeing or using mobile to listen. You know, you know, the, the medium you're using to listen um, to radio is, I think, could be an interesting thing to look back on, because, like you said, you know, what's the new technological thing that's going to happen in the next ten, twenty years? You know, this is a way of sort of looking at what's happening now and going on from there. It's a tricky one. I don't really, I actually don't really know. What, there's what a lot of it. it. We're all baffled. But also, because yeah. it's funny, isn't it? Because I always thought of the British Library as having copies of everything everywhere. That's the point yeah, of the British yeah. Library. It doesn't matter if it's a porn mag or it's some, you know, kind of Proust. It's going to be there. Don't worry about it. And so, but that's fine in ye olden days. Yeah. But it's really hard now because there is so much stuff. So the editing process is really difficult. I mean, if I were them almost, I would just say, okay, I'm going to do one day and I'm going to do everything on one day. Like, absolutely everything. But then... What if it's a Monday and your show is on a Wednesday? <laughs> it would be really bad. Lost, lost to the world. <laughs> it is genuinely a conundrum. I'm glad it's them and not us. <laughs> yeah. um, what particular things? Come on then, each of you put something into the radio archive. Helen, you start. I'm stumped. Deep in thought. Yeah. Oh, I suppose I do the Today programme after Brexit. Matt? I'd put Ricky, Melvin and Charlie from the Kiss Breakfast show in. Um you know, it's targeted at a certain group of people. It's reflect. It's trying to reflect young people's lives. You know, on that day, um, what are they talking about? Uh, what What was of interest? What bubbled up to the top? So I'd, I'd put those three in. Miranda, I'd put certain stations in, including Resonance and NTS, but I would actually put Prison Radio in because mm. I'm desperate to listen to it and I'm not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> there is I'm a way. There prison. is a way. I'm going to write a feature about it. That's how I'm getting in. But you know, genuinely, Brixton Prison's around the corner from me. I can't hear any of it. Can't because, you lurk outside with it yeah, with like some sort of uh, transmission? Yeah, because I'm not allowed. So I want something like you know, the the stuff I can't hear is what I want in there, so I can research afterwards. Lovely. Come on, Femi. What okay, are you going to put in? To me. Okay, I, it's something that we did a few years ago, which was like. Um, place an ambient mic next to an erupting volcano and broadcast that. Oh. That was really amazing. Um, I'd stick. I'd, it was, it was in Stromboli in 
Italy somewhere. That it's, was, no, it's really okay. interesting because we've moved from great events, you know, big, massive, significant events like the vote on Brexit, to tiny but incredibly interesting worlds like the prison. And that's what radio can do in a way that I don't think anything else can, in, in, in a kind of compelling, sorry to use the over-cliched over word, intimate way and that is going to be the real challenge for the British Library because they will want to capture all of that in a sense good luck good luck to them (laughs) I think that's a wonderful point to end on thank you so much for joining us to talk about the future of radio well tackled thank you Ruth Barnes Uh, that's it for this week thanks for listening to this special edition brought to you by the Media Podcast and the British Library you can get all of the shows we publish to download automatically for free on your phone or your laptop just by subscribing of course through your podcast app of choice Uh, there are links to the most popular ones like iTunes or Pocket Casts at themediapodcast.com slash listen Uh, thanks also to our sponsors Media Masters listen to that at mediamasters.fm and don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at themediapodcast I'm Ollie Mann until next time bye bye Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.